0: the lord give you his peace amen what a wonderful time of the year we have the very end of the liturgical year and the readings are getting strange and wild and fantastic you know the apocalyptic passages from the bible including that last book of the bible the book of revelation known as the apocalypse the word which means the unveiling and it is really unusual really mysterious really you know imagery and creative and it's oh so for those of us who love fantasy and sci-fi and all you know all of that stuff like we love these passages of the bible and um also probably the passages of the bible which are the hardest to interpret or understand huh so let's talk about that for a minute because there's some really great stuff in there today um, first of all we need to approach the apocalyptic passages in the same way that we approach all of the passages of the Bible. You you look at the words that are there, and the grammar, and okay, what is it saying? But because all of the various books of the Bible were put together in one book, uh, that's the Church's way of saying that every page is in continuity with the other pages. And uh, if you look at the documents of Vatican II, which were taken into the New Catechism, and offers advice or guidance on how to interpret the Bible, that is one of the key elements that whatever passage you're looking at, don't ever take it out of context. Don't ever, you know, you know, you want to see it in the context of the whole of the faith. If you just grab one little passage and build everything around it and ignore all the other passages in the Bible, then you, well, <clears throat> you become a heretic. <laughs> <laughs> so we don't want to do that. So, you know, as with every passage, including the weird apocalyptic passages, it needs to be seen within the greater context of the whole of what has been revealed by God. So that being said, um, I took a class on the Book of Revelation with Dr. Hahn. Incredible, wonderful class. Really thought-provoking and interesting. And looking at the structure, looking a little at the, the vocabulary, the words, the imagery, and even looking at the um, little of the history of the early church fathers and how some of these passages were seen. And sure enough, there's there's been some weird moments in church history which were inspired by weird passages of the Bible. I love all of that. But um, so. For all of that strange imagery and all of the fantastic and uh, colorful kind of things that we see there, we can summarize the book of Revelation very easily and in a very simple way, and uh, it's not, you know, so difficult to do actually. So, what is the message? What is what is God trying to say to us through these passages? Be faithful. (laughs) But don't. That's it. It's a call to fidelity, to be faithful to the Lord, to to following Jesus, to living our faith, to being guided by the Holy Spirit, you know, in our own little lives, in our own little epic of history that we're living right now here on planet Earth, you know, striving to be faithful, striving for holiness, striving to follow God, striving to build our house upon the rock of Jesus. Um, That's what it's all about, y'all. Oh, okay, all these beasts and bowls of wrath and plagues and thunder, but that's what it's about. And, um, you know, so, okay, so that that was easy to say. Um, There is a theme that we find in today's readings. It's a theme that's actually very strong in the book of Revelation. And this theme is found in other books of the Bible as well. And it is the theme that life is a battle. Life is a battle. Can anybody relate to that theme? Mm-hmm. So the, the Bible uh, presents to us this idea that life—you know—the big picture, what is life all about? That it is a battle. Um, what is it? How do we understand this battle? For us men, we love this image. You know, it's it's part of our masculine genius that God has given us. We love the battle. We love the fight. We love the contest. We love it. Um, so you hear language such as trials. You know, that's battle language you hear language such as victory for those who gain the victory I will and there's all these blessings we're gonna get a crown we're gonna get a beautiful white robe we're gonna sit on God's throne like all of these things that the you know the gold the silver and the bronze medal and you know like from the Olympics you know there's there's a promise of a reward of a blessing and uh, all of that imagery uh, really is an expression of the fact that we are being invited into communion with the love of God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, for all eternity. Uh, And this other language of victory, and crowns, and shields, and white robes, and sitting upon thrones, all of that, this is what they're trying to express, that we're being invited you know, in this contest, this battle of life, to the victory of Jesus. And uh, now you may want to say, well, I thought the victory already was won. And you're like, yeah, actually, the Bible does say that Jesus won the victory. But then you, you look in, out the window and you're like, well, it doesn't look like the battle's been won. <laughs> Maybe you look in the mirror and you look in your own heart and you're like, the battle's not won. Well, precisely. So in theology, we describe it this way. The victory of God uh, has already happened in this death and resurrection of Jesus. It's the ultimate victory of God, the triumph of God over you know, sin, good, over evil, light, over the dark. And then also it is happening, ongoing. Um, so it's already and not yet that's how they say it so the kingdom of God has broken in and it's but it's also breaking in that's why we can say thy kingdom come Thy will be done well I thought the kingdom did come it did Jesus was the kingdom in person and he did win the victory but the victory the battle is still going on in the life of each person and in you know each era of history and at the very end of time when Jesus comes again in glory and everyone who's ever existed will be raised in he will judge all of mankind at the general judgment at the end of time that's when everything that's been happening in history will come to completion will come to fulfillment so until that day and boy we hope it's soon maybe today i don't know until that day it's ongoing it's ongoing this battle this you know that we're in and uh so uh, in the spiritual life sometimes it's spoken of in terms of like um you know decreasing in vice and increasing in virtue it's spoken of the three classical stages of the spiritual life. The purgative, which is where we're all in that stage for a long time. Illuminative and unitive, you know, the interior castles of St. Teresa of Avila. There's been a lot of different schema that try to um, articulate or explain the, the, the journey and the battle that we're in, everybody. Um, it kind of reminds me of a video game. You know, if you grew up playing video games like I did, there's stages, right? And, you get through this stage, and there's a big evil guy at the end of each stage, like Ma- Super Mario Brothers or whatever, and you have to like conquer, and then boom, it's like level two. And then you get through that, and then you know, and then there's level three. Okay, they based all of that off of trees of Avila. <laughs> uh, I suspect, maybe not. So here we are, here we are. Um, you know, we are in the midst of a battle. Um, there are, like any sporting season, there are multiple battles and games, you know, and, you're going to win some. You're going to lose some. I know that's a bit of a cliche, you know. And then, uh, but ultimately, you know, it's it's if you could put it this way, you know, you win and lose different battles, but ultimately we're going to win the war. Actually, the war has already been won, and we're being invited to that victory in Jesus. Um, so, uh, when we have moments of struggle, moments of trial, you know, let's try to remember this. Try to see your own life in this light. You know, I'm in a battle here. A lot of times the battle even in your own heart you know and uh, if I could offer a little commentary on that battle which is the ultimate battle right It's the tug-of-war that's going on in the heart of every man and woman between good and evil between you know sin and grace and um, I I had this thought about purgatory which helps me to understand this whole kind of idea of you know what life is all about Um, this is the month of November it's the month we remember the holy souls of purgatory our brothers and sisters who have died who were saved by christ they're in his grace but there needs to be some type of pur- purification or purgation, uh, of purgation uh, of burning away the remnants of sin and selfishness so they can stand in the presence of god who is all love and all purity um i was thinking about it this way tell me what you think I don- i'm not sure if this works but um i was thinking that when we die and we give an account to god for our lives how we used or misused the gift of free will and we'll be in purgatory, which is some type of mysterious state of purification. And we're not 100% sure what, how that looks or what, it, you know, the different mystics and visionaries have kind of seen things and you can read about that in books, but um, I was thinking on the one hand, I wonder if, yeah, that's the right way to say it, I wonder if on the one hand, God will allow us to see or to be aware of the person that we would have come, become without his help and grace. You know, like the, the possible worst version of ourselves. You know, this uh, left to our own devices, you know, giving in to sin and evil, we, we could have become like monsters, you know. And the, the evil angels and the damned souls, Like they, they, they just, they rejected God and they, they become hideous. You know, and, I'm, and we're maybe, it's revealed to us, you know, how it could have happened to us. You know, and you'll see that. And you're like, wow, if it wasn't for the help and the love of God and his grace, I could have become that. Whoa. And then at the same time, the Lord reveals to us what we could have become had we fully cooperated with His grace at every moment of our life, kind of like Mary, Virgin Mary, you know? This incredible, amazing, beautiful, holy, loving, wonderful saint that we could have become had we said yes to every moment of grace that came. And that would have been like, whoa, incredibly beautiful and amazing and inspiring and wow, what does a person look like who was given over to God's grace completely and totally? Whoa. And so we have these two images, huh? And we're kind of caught in the middle of the two of them with what's actual. Here we are. <laughs> some days and some moments we did cooperate with his grace and we chose right over wrong and light over darkness and good over evil and love over sin. And in other days we got messed up and dropped the ball. And, you know, like, it's an interesting image, huh, between those two extremes. And then, you know, we realize what is, you know, how holy or close to God we are or that we aren't, which was ultimately dependent upon the use of our free will, our cooperation, or the lack thereof, of our cooperation with his grace. And we'll sit with that, you know, and we'll be even more deeply repentant for our sin and our lack of cooperation with his grace. We'll be even more deeply grateful and thankful to him for his love and for his mercy and for his grace. And uh, somehow this experience of this will purify us and then will help us to be ready to come and be with him in his presence, in the fullness to see God as he is face-to-face, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's this three persons in one God and there's this communion of love and all of a sudden we get caught up in that with our crown, with our robe, sitting on the throne, sharing in the victory of Jesus which happened and is happening and will happen. And let's pray for that grace to win. Run so as to win. St. Paul said, whoa, that was a mouthful, huh? Mm -hmm. Something to think about this day. God bless you.